This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Starting new series today. The name of the series is Ghost Stories. There it is. Ghost Stories. Ghost Stories for the month of October. How many of you are ready for some ghost stories? We're going to talk about the truth about the Holy Spirit. Um, guys, the Holy Spirit is, is tricky in the church today. Uh, there's a lot of different beliefs, a lot of different thoughts. There's a lot of different teaching. Um, I think that all of us in here have had a little bit different teaching when it comes to the Holy Spirit. There's sometimes there's a lot of contention when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So, I really felt like this is the direction we needed to go. And I, like I said when we opened, um, guys, I'm particularly pumped about this. I, I just, I've said it several times over the last couple of days. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I actually had this finished um, earlier in the week. And, um, and uh, I, I told somebody the other day, I think when we were camping, that um, Friday morning I made the mistake of going back and listening to um, uh, Robert Morris. I, I don't know, how many of you read The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris? That is the best, most practical book on the Holy Spirit I've ever read in my life. And so I encourage you, if you want to know more about the Holy Spirit, read The God I Never Knew. It's, it's incredible. But uh, I, I ran back after the camp out and got home yesterday, and I ran back and spent a couple hours adding more notes. And I was like, oh, no, this is getting too long. I need more for next week. And so, uh, so anyway, I'm not sure how long this will go. For four to six weeks, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Y'all ready for this? Now, I put a poll on Facebook that some of you answered. Uh, but actually, to start, um, I, I'm not going to tell a joke, Dad. Um, instead, uh, I pulled off. Now, actually, let, let me just do a disclaimer, too, as I did on the post on Facebook. Um, please be open. Let's, let's not get offended. If, you're, if you want to get offended, you're going to get offended yeah. at this series and some of the things we're going to say and some of the things that people posted on Facebook. You're going to come into this with an open heart, Okay. Um, I looked up a few memes. How many of you know what a meme is? All the young people raise their hands. All the older folks are like, what? I thought that was Mimi. I, um, uh, I looked up a few memes about the Holy Spirit. So let's I'm, just go through a few of these real quick. Go ahead. How many of you been there? Hit the next one. I think I got nine of them. How many of you ever been there? Holy Spirit stopped you from putting a slap on somebody. Keep going. How to leave room for the Holy Spirit. Next. I saw Pastor Floyd put that up this morning. It's October, but your grandma don't play that. Next. I thought that was awesome. Insert Holy Spirit. Spirit. Next. And then the last one I think may be my favorite. I love this. Not everybody laughing so much. You know why? Because it's true. Holy Ghost makes you want to jump up and dance, but doesn't help you to live holy? (laughs) It's probably ADHD, (laughs) not the Holy Ghost. Guys, the Holy Spirit can can be a sensitive subject in Christian circles. There can be even contention and conflict when it comes to doctrine regarding the Holy Spirit in different Christian circles, different Christian sects. Um... And so I asked the question online, I asked the question on Facebook earlier this week, outside of the Spirit-filled church, what do you think generally comes to people's mind when the subject of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost comes up? So people who aren't, not even necessarily Christians, what do you think comes to mind to especially the non-believer when they hear Holy Ghost? Some of y'all's answers, emotional, peculiar, (laughs) Wild, crazy people rolling on the floor, jumping pews and making jabber, jabbering, senseless sounds. Speaking in other tongues. 
foolishness, looniness, a misled or brainwashed people, stupid, weak, gullible people, mass hysteria. Somebody told me televangelists. Somebody told me lots of makeup and big hair. Is it not true? But for the world, these are some of the things that come to mind when they hear about the Holy Ghost. I'm going to talk a few minutes today about some misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. But in thinking about this, this idea that our society has when it comes to the Holy Spirit, where did all this come from? Where, where, what, is, what is the root of this? And I'm going to talk about it a little bit now and then a little bit later on. But I, I personally believe that this kind of mocking of the Spirit-filled church and everything, I think this started more at the end of the Jesus movement, uh, the 70s coming into the 80s. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of ministries started televising their services. And um, a lot of ministries who believed in Holy Spirit baptism started really getting attention. Nobody cared if Billy Graham did a crusade on TV, a two-hour crusade. Awesome! But it was these people that everybody's looking at going, what in the world? What in the world is going on you know, with these folks? They're speaking in other tongues and gyrating and shaking and falling and shouting. And everybody's going, what in the world is this about? And we also know that in the 80s, um, one big thing that happened was um, uh, when a televangelist started really rising on, you know, and such, um, Saturday Night Live started running skits, making fun of televangelists and, and some of the things that were going on. And guys, listen, there was some goofiness going on. There was some stuff that didn't need to be on television, in my opinion. But they started kind of making fun of it and started kind of making a, a bit of a laughing stock of the Spirit-filled church and of the Holy Spirit. And I think over the next 20 years, we had a lot of things happen. I mean, um, there's been a lot of abuses in the church. A lot of high-profile preachers fell from grace. Uh, I was mentioning this to Shauna the other day, and I said, and here's the thing, all the ones I can think of are pretty much all spirit-filled, we're all spirit-filled ministers. She's like, well, weren't there some others? I was like, I can't remember any. They were lacking character. Weren't walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Fell from grace. You know, I think also one of the big hot topics today, I think that many people also equate the Spirit-filled church with what they call the prosperity gospel. I frankly, I don't, I don't love that phrase, prosperity gospel, because I know where they're coming from. When people say the prosperity gospel, they're talking about all the church wants is my money. They're talking about what they believe is a preaching that says that God just wants to bless, 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 bless you with money so that you can buy a $2 million house whatever it may be. But there is a reality. God does want us to prosper. And he promises that if we honor him and live our life for him, he will prosper us. The thing is, this doesn't just mean money. It means every area of our life. And even so, prosperity is not the focus. Financial prosperity is not the focus. Just like we don't give to get. The focus is honoring and pleasing God with our life out of love for Him. I turned on the TV. It's been a number of years ago, and there was a, this high-profile spirit-filled minister who fell from grace years ago who made it back on TV, uh, but it's, you know, he's only on late at night. And I saw, you know, there he was. Half his program was him selling 100 send a hundred dollars and i'll give you this vial of holy water from the jordan river and you will be healed if you guys oh also remember a number of years ago i turned on tv <laughs> late night on christian television uh, there was actually deliverance ministry going on on television they were there trying to cast a demon out of somebody on tv and i thought you know what many christians don't need to see that they're not in place to see that kind of thing right now in their life. Much less the world who doesn't believe or understand. They're going to say, what is this goofy mess that's going on? So many denominations have denounced much of what we call the spirit-filled life, um, which um, is funny because, I don't know if you all know this, but the Pentecostal church came out of the Methodist church. 
It was the Methodist church early on. That's where the revival came. That's where the Holy Spirit, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and everything resurged in the world. That was at the beginning of the 20th century. That was the early 1900s. We know that the, the Azusa Street Revival was that, came out of the AME Church, African Methodist Episcopalian Church. There were signs and wonders and miracles and speaking in other tongues, deliverances. And guys, look it up. It lasted nine or ten years, and it is extremely well documented. You can look up. You can pull up today newspapers from that day. You can look up doctor's reports. They, nine or ten years this went on. So we've got ministers from all these other denominations that are Christian but have all these different opinions. Some believe that the, um, that the power and move of the Holy Spirit passed away with the apostles. Others, um, I don't know how many of you like to listen to him, but I, I love listening to John Piper. He's a Baptist theologian. Love John Piper. Awesome. Like reading his stuff. Um, I, and like anybody, I don't always agree with 100% of what he says, but he definitely has some wisdom from God and some revelation. Uh, but as a Baptist theologian, he believes that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have continued on in this current age, but they're just not for everyone. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there is a lot of confusion. Actually, somebody put that on Facebook. I forgot to mention confusion. I believe much of the Spirit-filled church has got a lot of confusion when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Um, there is contention, and unfortunately, I think in many ways the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit has gotten um, a bad rap in many ways. And, uh, but I, I want to talk about that. So uh, you should have had a note sheet in your service guide. And uh, I invite you to follow along on that note sheet. You can also follow along on the version, the, the Bible app on your, uh, on your phone. But I'm going to give you three common myths about the Holy Spirit. And guys, y'all are going to look at this and you're going to see I'm, I'm, I'm starting basic. But I tell you what, I, I got more and more excited as I did this because I was, I was just catching little things that I'd never really seen before. And so if you've never, if you don't understand anything about the Holy Spirit, all you know is the Trinity. We baptize Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's all you know about the Holy Spirit. You're going to get something out of this. But you may have been filled with the Holy Spirit your whole life. Guys, if your heart is open, you're going to receive something. So I encourage you to be ready. So y'all ready for myth number one? First myth about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is not a person. Number one, he's not a person. It's a myth. Guys, the Holy Spirit is not a ghost. Put my picture up on the screen there, Billy. Yep. Yep. How many of you remember Casper the Friendly Ghost? <laughs> Guys, I don't believe that at all resembles the Holy Spirit. Not even close. Okay, you can take that down. Somebody's getting offended. No. <laughs> Guys, the Holy Spirit is not a mysterious, mystical force. Luke, use the force. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not who he is. So one of the very wrong misconceptions of the Holy Spirit is that he is nothing but a force or a power, but not a person. Now, here's the problem. If we don't recognize the Holy Spirit as a person, it denies his position and his identity as a third person of the Trinity. How can he be the third person of the Trinity if he's just a force? The Holy Spirit is absolutely a person. And he's been there, well, we would say from the beginning, but really we could say for all of eternity. If you look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, he's mentioned for the first time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, the dark, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, before there was creation, before there was land, before there was light, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And the word spirit there, that Hebrew word means breath. It means wind. Same word when we look up Holy Spirit in other places. Same word. Breath. Wind. And Spirit, it's the same word used. If you go down to verse 26 in, in Genesis chapter 1, and then God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness. Let us make God who is us. Guys, the angels didn't have any part in making man. They can't create. It was the Trinity. It was the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And actually, he goes on to make man like himself. We know a threefold being, right? A spirit, possessing a soul, living in a body. And let me mention this too. 
Holy Spirit is not his first and last name. A lot of people talk like that. Um, I've seen more and more of that lately, but that is not his name. Holy Spirit is his role. We have God the Father. We have God the Son. We have God the Holy Spirit. So what's the Holy Spirit's name? God. His name is God. So the Holy Spirit is very much alive as a person. He's not a thought. He's a person. He lives in every believer and enables us to live as a new creation in Christ. Guys, if he was just a force, we couldn't have a personal intimate relationship with him. Guys, magnetism is a force. You ever tried having an intimate relationship with magnetism? Gravity. It's a force. We can't have a personal relationship with it. You can fall off the stage if you want, but it don't care. It's, not, it's a force, not a person. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He's a person. John 14, verse 26, Jesus speaking here. Y'all know this. But the helper, comma, who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. Whom the Father will send in my name, he, everybody say he, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And I looked up the, it was actually a Greek word here, for he, and it refers to, guess what? A person. It's a person, not a force. Most of the church doesn't realize today that the Holy Spirit is no less God than the Father, than Jesus. The Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is his role, his position. By the way, the word Trinity, what does tri mean? Three. What does unity mean? One. Three in one. If the Trinity were expressed, I read this somewhere, if the Trinity were expressed using math, it wouldn't be one plus one plus one equals three. It'd be one times one times one equals one. So we have no problem picturing the Father as a person, and we have no problem picturing Jesus as a person. We've seen him in movies. God with the beard, the Father with the beard, Jesus hanging on the cross. We don't generally picture the Holy Spirit as a person, but it's time to start. Let me prove it to you that the Holy Spirit's a person. He's not an it. I'll give you a few scriptures here. Uh, the first point I want to make is that the Holy Spirit has a mind. Y'all know the Holy Spirit has an intellect? 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11 says, These things God has revealed to us through who? Through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So we see here that He searches. He searches the deep things of God. That requires intellect. It requires a mind, right? For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends, to comprehend, you got to have a mind, right? you got to have an intellect. So no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit. And actually, if you look back, I just read a minute ago, John 14, 26, it says, He will teach you all things. This means for him to be able to teach you all things, guess what? The Holy Spirit knows all things. He knows the answer to every question. There's nothing hidden from him. He knows it all. So when you've got a question, you need to know about something, you need something from God, you have two places to turn. One is God's Word. If you've got a Bible, hold it up. Who's got a Bible? You can hold up your phone if you have to. Man, that's weak. <laughs> First place we can turn is the Bible. The Bible gives us the general will of God. The general will of God for humanity. I believe we're all in here part of humanity, so it's God's will for you. But then we've got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals to us the specific will of God. So 
um, back to an example that um, Robert Morris gave in the, the God I Never Knew. He said, for instance, if you want to know God's will on marriage, go to the Bible. Talks significantly about it. But if you want to know God's will for whom you are to marry, it's probably not going to say their name in the Bible. Maybe if it's Rachel, Rebecca, or Esther or something, I don't know. And then you're going to twist it and be like, oh, that's who I'm supposed to marry. Now, you go to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that reveals the specific will of God for your life. And it will always be backed up in the Word of God. Where am I at? Where am I at? So, okay, so he has an intellect. Um, so that's, that's the first one. He has a mind. He has an intellect. Secondly, the Holy Spirit has a will. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, All these are empowered by one in the same Spirit. Same word, breath, wind. Who appoints to each one as individually as he what? As he wills. The Holy Spirit is not some robot doing God's bidding. He is not some force. He has a will and he makes decisions according to his will. Another quality of the Holy Spirit. He has emotions. You ever thought of that before? Hebrews 10, 29. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. Guys, you can't insult somebody that's not a person. I mean, your car may be a hoopty and you may go and try to insult it. It's not going to care. It's not a person. The Holy Spirit has emotions. The Bible tells us the fruit of the Spirit. The primary fruit of the Spirit is love. Love is an emotion. Joy. Joy is an emotion. Only a person can feel these things. So we know that he can, um, that he can feel love, that he can feel joy. We know that he can be insulted. Ephesians 4.30, y'all know this. I'm going to read it from the New Living. And it says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. A lot of translations say do not grieve the Holy Spirit, right? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by how you live. Rather, be identified as his own, guaranteeing you that, on, that you will be saved on the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. How many of you have ever grieved before? Come on. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. It literally makes him grieve. Why? Because he loves you and sin hurts you. It makes him grieve. Example, if one of your children did something or was doing something, there was harmful to themselves. There was nothing you would do about it. That would grieve you. It would upset you because you would know the pain that this is about. This, this is going to cause them, the trouble this is going to cause them. Grief is the sadness you feel when you lose intimacy with a person. You don't, you don't lose your salvation when you sin. However, we can lose intimacy with the Lord. And God knows that as long as you walk in sin, you can't have that true intimacy with him. So point is, the Holy Spirit has emotions. Now, if the Holy Spirit has a mind, and the Holy Spirit has a will, and the Holy Spirit has emotions, what do we call those things? Mind, will, and emotions. Soul. Holy Spirit has a soul. These are also the things that make up a personality. Am I making the point that the Holy Spirit's a person? With this in mind, let me assure you of something. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He's not weird. People can be weird. But the Holy Spirit's not weird. And frankly, I don't think he cares if somebody thinks he's weird. There is order to everything he does, and everything he does is intentional and on purpose. He's not weird. Now, the problem is you've seen some weird people do some weird stuff in the name of the Holy Spirit. The world has seen some weird people do some weird stuff in the name of the Holy Spirit. Funny thing is they'd probably still be weird without the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're just weird. 
But no matter what weirdness you've seen, the Holy Spirit is fully God. And he follows the same standards as the Father and Jesus. And he's not going to do something. You know, a lot of people are afraid that, that if, if, if they buy into this whole Holy Spirit thing, whatever, that the Holy Spirit's going to take over their body and force them to do something weird and embarrassing and foolish. It will never happen. It'll never happen. It's not the way he works. Guys, you can be a normal person and believe in the personhood and the power of the Holy Spirit. With that in mind, whose idea do you think it was to make people afraid of the Holy Spirit? Of course it was the enemy. Go to Acts chapter 2 and look at the early church. When they received the Holy Spirit, the Bible actually says they turned the world upside down. It says that. They were, thousands were being saved, the sick were being healed, demons were being cast out, the dead was being raised, the world was turned upside down, and it was the power of the Holy Spirit. So, that lasted for quite a while, but eventually, as we human beings do, we do some weird stuff, and we like to add to and take away from Scripture and add our own rules. It's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did back in Jesus' day. And next thing you know, things have been eliminated from Scripture and all this, and hundreds and hundreds of years went by that we don't see any evidence that people were flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit wasn't even really recognized except in name only. And like I said earlier, it was really uh, mainly in the early 20th century, early 1900s. Much of it was, you know, birthed back again at the, at the Azusa Street Revival. Um, imagine Satan's point of view. He saw all this stuff a couple thousand years ago going on. He saw the power of the Holy Spirit in the earth. And I'm sure he was just content as could be when that seemed to disappear. All of a sudden the church starts catching the revelation of who the Holy Spirit is and his power again about a hundred years ago. So what's the Holy, what, what's, you got Satan sitting there and I can only imagine him saying, oh no, not this again. We got to do something. And so he gets involved and he creates fear and controversy just based out of ignorance. He made the primary focus on one thing. Speaking in other tongues. Them crazy people speaking in other tongues. It's so funny because a lot of people, especially with people in the world, they don't have any issue with people who are Hindu, like doing these deep meditations. <laughs> but, but a Christian who believes in speaking in other tongues, like, oh, they're so weird. What's wrong with them? What's wrong? Ugh. He made people afraid of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, Saying that the Holy Spirit is all about speaking other tongues, it's like saying marriage is just about sex. It's like, what? You may think that at 18. <laughs> just get married. It's ignorance, right? It's a part of it. But it's a part of it. But Satan brought attention to the one thing that looked the most goofy that nobody understood. And all of a sudden, it's all about, y'all don't want them to speak another tongue. You, don't believe, you know, what? By the way, as I, I'm, and I'm not going to dig into this right now um, because uh, we don't, just don't have the time. We'll get into it in the next couple of weeks. But, guys, the gifts of the Spirit have not passed away. As a matter of fact, the Bible says... The Bible says that the heaven and earth will pass away before one word of this book will pass away. They'll try to teach you that all that's gone and whatever else. They're basing that on a couple of scriptures that aren't even really in context. It's not gone. Guys, I, I don't know about all of y'all, but I've seen too much. I've seen God work the miraculous. I've seen the Holy Spirit do incredible things. But Satan's twisted and perverted people's perspective. He's made them afraid. He's made them afraid of God, the Holy Spirit. And he's done a doggone good job of it. My point is, and that was the point I'm going to spend the most time on. I'm going to run through the next couple. But my point is, the Holy Spirit is a person. He has a personality. 
He has a mind. He has a will. He has emotions. He loves you. He's not weird. And he's always been dedicated to drawing all of humanity to the Father. So myth number one, him not being a person. Debunked. Number two, myth number two, he just shows up when he feels like it. He just shows up when he feels like it. Now look, before Jesus came, the Holy Spirit didn't reside in human beings. In the Old Testament, it says the Holy Spirit would come upon someone and it would fall upon a person and it would empower them and enable them to do something that God called them to do for a time. I'll give you a few examples. I just pulled a few. Um, in Judges chapter 14, we've got Samson. So here you've got a warrior. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. And at that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. So this is a moment where Samson was supernaturally empowered in a moment the Holy Spirit came upon him. Does this make sense? 1 Samuel 10.10. 10. We're talking about a young man who would soon be king. This is Saul, right before he became king. And, the, um, and when they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him, being Saul, and the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul, and he prophesied among them. And when all who knew him previously saw, he prophesied with the prophets. The people said to one another, what has come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Guys, Saul could not have prophesied one moment before the Spirit of God came upon him. Third one. I almost used a different one. I thought this was kind of cool. Bezalel. How many know who Bezalel was? Okay, we've got one. Awesome. He was the one that God appointed to build the Ark of the Covenant. Look at this, Exodus 31, verses 1 through 5. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. So, and actually, it does say, I filled him with my spirit, but it's the, same, it's the same connotation, that the Spirit of God came upon him, or you could say entered him, for a certain period of time with these abilities to be able to do what God called him to do. And so this is what we see in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit would come upon someone to accomplish a task that God had for them. Then the Holy Spirit would lift, and they would no longer have that ability anymore. Does this make sense? So really the last time we see the Holy Spirit coming where it's worded, it says it came upon someone, was Jesus being baptized in the Jordan. And Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased." If you go on and look, if you look in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it goes on to say Jesus was full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit. And I believe that Jesus was actually the first person filled with the Holy Spirit, but we'll talk about that another time. But after Jesus, God changed things. We know that the veil in the temple was torn in two, right? And we know that this is signaling the breaking of the wall between the separation between man and God. And after that, all of mankind can be reconciled to the Father. God's work in reconciling man was complete at the cross, at Calvary, right? So when we repent of our sin and we surrender to him, God deposits the Holy Spirit in us and he takes up residence in us, making us his temple. Ephesians 1.13, it says, And in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, I mean, us in here have received the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, being Jesus, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit did come and go in the Old Testament, but now we're in Christ. And when we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit is with us. I almost didn't mention this because I'm going to talk about it in a couple of weeks, but I'm going to just say this real briefly. By the way, 
We talk about salvation. We talk about getting saved. In the Bible, salvation, they refer to it as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is getting saved. Don't anybody freak out. They didn't say baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's drawing us to the Father, baptizes us into the kingdom. Salvation. Um, It said that we just read that it is, um, okay, the Holy Spirit reconciles us to the Father through the sacrifice of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, it said, is the seal of our salvation. So when we receive, we receive the Holy Spirit when we truly repent and surrender our life to Jesus. Again, not talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that later. But we do receive the Holy Spirit. He is the seal of our salvation. So when people say, well, I thought I got the Holy Spirit at salvation. From their perspective and where they're coming from, that is correct. Okay? There is more to it, and we will get to that. Um, so the Holy Spirit used to come and go, but since Jesus paid the judgment of sin for mankind, the Holy Spirit is always present today and always available to mankind. He's not coming and going anymore. So when people say things like, Woo-wee, the Holy Ghost showed up at church today. Well, yeah, he's there. And he's there with me, and he's there with you, and he's everywhere. Now, I know what you're saying when you say it. Uh, I, I, do, I do understand. But he's always present. We don't have to conjure him up. We don't have to, you know, he's there and always ready to do his thing. We're the only ones that can hold him back. When somebody says, Woo-wee, Brother Jim got the Holy Ghost today. It doesn't mean the Holy Ghost was finally like, I guess I ought to move on Brother Jim's behalf today. After all these years, I guess I'll do it today. What it probably means is Brother Jim was in a position and ready to receive what the Holy Spirit had for him. Holy Spirit was always there, ready to do his thing. Brother Jim was ready. Does this make sense? He's not coming and going. He is here, and he is available to you. Leads me to the last point. Number three, misconception, myth. The Holy Spirit's present when you feel goosebumps. Holy Spirit's present when you feel goosebumps. How many of you have ever felt Holy Spirit goosebumps? Come on. Oh. No, no, I get it. No, I do. Seriously. How many of you would ever say that you have felt the Holy Spirit? You've felt the presence of the Lord? Okay. How many of you have ever been standing next to somebody who certainly seemed to be receiving something Holy Spirit and you felt nothing, nada? You're going, how many of you, just being honest, have ever gone, am I missing something? Do I need to repent or surrender or something? Because they are getting something and I'm just hungry for lunch. Guys, many people see the presence of the Holy Spirit as this warm, fuzzy feeling accompanied by goosebumps. Woo-wee! The Holy Spirit is here today. Guys, understand something. Yeah, I've experienced the presence of God. I've felt it physically many times in my life. And that's awesome. Everybody should have those moments in the presence of the Lord. These moments where we're open and we're ready and the Holy Spirit's just undeniable, even our physical body. You just knew God was there and he just embraces you. But what about, what about those moments where you feel nothing at all? Moments that maybe you're frustrated or anxious or distracted and you kind of sit through church and go through the motions and you walk away not feeling anything. What does that mean? Does it mean the Holy Ghost flew the coop? He decided not to show up today? Not at all. Not at all. You might just be distracted. You might just be focused on other things. Who knows? He's still present. We've all been there. Sometimes you might feel the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want to stress. This is the real point. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. Not a feeling. Sometimes you won't feel anything. Sometimes you get goosebumps. Sometimes you're just cold. 
while he does make his presence felt at times, the truth is the Holy Spirit is always present, and we don't need goosebumps to tell us so. Do we believe it? Do we believe the Bible when it says that he's with us and that he seals our salvation? Do we believe it, or do we believe what we feel in a moment? You know, it's a same example we gave earlier, the disciples in the boat. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. I'm sure if we were able to interview Peter before he woke Jesus up, Peter, how are you feeling right now? I feel like I'm going to drown. Jesus didn't say, we're going, let's, let's start across the lake so we can drown, right? He said, let's cross to the other side. It's not a feeling. I've, I, don't, I think I may have used this example before, but y'all know for... 12, 13 years or something, I, you know, led worship here at the church. And just, <laughs> by the way, Lauren and I are making a special appearance at Chris and Nadia's wedding. Where'd they go? Oh, they skipped out. Okay. <laughs> We're going to be singing a duet at Chris and Nadia's wedding. So anyway, led worship for years and I, I'm just going to be transparent. Can y'all handle it? Yeah. It was some Sundays I'd come in here so full, man, and just ready and get up here and just be leading worship. And man, just, oh man, I mean, could just barely stand. I open my eyes and it just looks like, oh, y'all just staring at me like. <laughs> and there's other moments, just being, being transparent. There's other moments where I wasn't feeling the greatest, frankly, didn't even really want to be here, was just kind of going through the motions. Oh, Lord, I, help me get through worship. And I'm up here, and I'm just sitting on a good face. And I look down, and people are just like weeping at the altars, and, you know, and it's like, it's like, wow. That's always good for me because, number one, it helps me recognize that I got nothing to do with it. It's all Him. It's the Holy Spirit. But it also confirms to me the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. It's awesome to feel the presence of the Lord. But the lack of that in a moment doesn't mean anything. What if somebody, what if somebody close to you, a coworker, or family member is sick, and you don't feel the Holy Spirit? Does that mean you don't pray for them? Does that mean when you pray for them, they can't get healed? There was a lady, I don't know if I've mentioned this before either, when we were back on Ross Road, there was a lady in the church, and it was one Sunday morning, and man, I was trucking, I had responsibilities right before service, and I'm running around, and I'm uh, doing these things, and of course, I'm walking past this lady, and I said, the, hey, how you doing? I didn't want a response, you know, and she stopped. Well, and I was like, oh, Lord, oh, no. <laughs> I should have said, hey. Instead, I said, how you doing? And she stopped, and so I kind of slowed down, you know, hey. And she's like, actually, I'm not feeling real good today. And, uh, man, I've been under the weather, and I can't seem to get over this. And I'm just being transparent again. I just, I just kind of put a hand on her, and I said, I'm so sorry about that. I said, you be healed in Jesus' name. And I kept on walking. She comes up to me after service. I would have never thought. I was so distracted. I didn't even really remember laying my hand on her and saying that. She came after service and goes, thank you. I, I, man, just moments after you prayed for me, I was like, I prayed? I, <laughs> just moments after you prayed for me, I felt so much better, and I, it's just gone. I, I know that I'm here. And I was like, holy smokes, I barely even remember the moment. I, you know, wow. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. Feelings are fickle. Feelings come and go. You can have a feeling and be 1,000% wrong in what you're feeling. We don't have to feel the Holy Spirit to know he's present. Many people judge a church service that they're at by whether they felt the Holy Spirit's presence. They'll judge it on whether somebody got healed or touched, whether praise and worship felt anointed. God, here's reality. You can go to a service in the most dead church in the world with the worst praise and worship that the world has ever seen, and you can experience the presence of God. Why? Because he's always there and available. It's about the position of our heart. And here's the thing we don't focus on enough. 
You know what the greatest miracle the Holy Spirit can do is? Forgive. Forgive sin and save. But we don't get nearly as excited about that as we do when we feel goosebumps or when we see somebody get healed. It's the Holy Spirit that draws all people to the Father. The greatest miracle the Holy Spirit does is to make somebody a new creation. But we don't get all excited about that. Some people stand in praise and worship and say, God, please send your Holy Spirit. Please send your Holy Spirit. Please send your Holy Spirit. I can only imagine God in heaven sometimes just shaking his head. What? What are you talking about? Kind of rolling his eyes because we're begging for a power that's already available to us. It's already here. But we're too busy waiting on a rushing wind or a tongue of fire to recognize it. Guys, there's so much more to say, and I'm going to wrap it up here. Over the next few weeks, I've just got questions that I'm going to answer over the next few weeks. So what is the Holy Spirit doing right now? What's his function? What's his job? What are the fruit of the Spirit? What are the gifts of the Spirit? What is this baptism in the Holy Spirit? Am I saved if I have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is speaking in other tongues all about anyway? Here's a big one. Have I committed the unpardonable sin? I have heard people say that. I've had to go to people and say, you're forgiven. The fact that you're here crying about committing the unpardonable sin. Tell, we'll talk about it. We're going, we're going, we, need, we need to address that. We need to talk about it. Over the next few weeks, I would encourage you, be open. Guys, there has been so much teaching. Look, don't even just take my word for it. Get into the Bible. Get into the Word of God and see what it says. I'm not going to put pressure on anybody to do anything, get into God's word and see what it says for yourself. Forget what you've been told your whole life. Forget what you've learned going to your grandma's church growing up and whatever it may be. If you truly want what God has for you, be open. Understand, we should not be afraid of God the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit, it's a free gift that God has given us. God's not going to give us anything bad not going to give us anything scary and weird. We can be a normal person and have the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Amen? Let's stand up on our feet. Let me get the worship team to come up. and We're going to close out here in just a moment. Anybody learn a few things today? I hope so. Let's just bow our heads together. And I am, I'm going to ask our prayer partners, our pastors, I'm going to ask you all to come on down to the sides um, as we get going here. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. You know, when I was greeting the guests, I was talking about how we believe that every person that comes here, you know, through these doors is not by accident. Guys, the Holy Spirit is working on every human being, trying to draw them to the Father. You may have never surrendered your life to Jesus. But let me tell you, it's not for lack of the Holy Spirit trying. He's been there. And if you look back, you can probably see moments the Holy Spirit has been drawing on you and pulling on you. Every time somebody loved you right where you're at, every time somebody hugged your neck, gave you, gave you an encouraging word, whatever it may be, it's the Holy Spirit drawing you and showing you the Father's heart. Because He recognizes how much you need them. Guys, people think that the Holy Spirit is condemning. It's like the Holy Spirit brings attention to our sin. That's how people look at conviction. Oh, that. Guys, all the Holy Spirit does is reveal to us that we need a Savior. That's His job. Man, I'm spoiling next week. <laughs> the Holy Spirit reveals to us our need for Jesus. And you may be here, and that's what He's doing in your heart right now. He's saying... You've done it alone long enough. You've tried living this life in your own strength and doing things your own way. And you fall over and over again. And he's got his hand stretched out to you. He wants to pick you up. He wants to walk with you. But you've got to make a decision. We answer the Holy Spirit's call by repenting 
of the sin in our life, that doesn't mean saying sorry. That means turning from it. Also doesn't mean you won't ever mess up again, but you're quick to repent again. And you're quick to turn from that sin. We choose not to live and to grieve the Holy Spirit by the way we live our life. We'll be people that are quick to repent. But secondly, we surrender our life to Jesus. We lay our life down and we say, I receive the sacrifice of Jesus for my sin as my own. I receive forgiveness. I surrender my will and my rights and my dreams. Lord, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. I'm going to do what you want for a change. I'm going to let you use me. With every head bowed, if that's you and you recognize the Holy Spirit's drawing your life and you would say, you know what? I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. Just lift up your hand. Let me see. Anybody in this place, whether you've ever prayed the prayer or not before, anybody that would say, I need to surrender my life to Christ today. All right, we're going to pray together. You may be watching online. Doesn't matter one bit. God is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. And we pray this prayer. If you mean of all your heart, you will become that new creation. That baptism of the Holy Spirit. You become one of God's kids. You're grafted into the vine. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. My spotless lamb. The one who took my sin and my shame and my guilt. And he took it willingly upon himself and took it to the grave that I could be free, that I could be clean. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that calls me innocent, that calls me free. Today, Jesus, I call you Lord of my life. I choose to follow you all my days. I surrender. I surrender everything to you. Holy Spirit, Thank you for drawing me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being there for me. Fill me today that I could be empowered to carry out God's will in my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.